If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Psalm? Psalm chapter 100. Now you can remain seated. I'll let you, I'll, you can remain seated. I'll just, I'll read that Psalm to you this morning and then we'll begin. I know you've been standing a long time and we're, we're thankful for the presence of the Lord that's here and all that God is doing and what he's going to do through his word. Psalm chapter 100. I'm going to read to you all five verses this morning. A familiar psalm to many, one that's often quoted. But here's what it says. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that hath made us and not we ourselves. You see, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So we must enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And I love verse 5. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. How many of you are thankful for that promise this morning? I'm going to preach to you for the next few moments on the subject, the character of God. The character of God. See, if you look up in, your, in Webster's Dictionary, if you look up the definition of character, this is what that book says. Character is the mental or moral qualities distinctive to an individual. You see, the distinctive nature of somebody or something, that is what we call character. Human character, we all have it um, to some level. Everyone has character. Character is this. I've heard it said. I believe it. This is how I would even describe it to somebody. Character is who you are on the inside. That's character. It is, I'll describe it this way too, your character is the why of your choices and the decisions that you make. That is ultimately what boils down to your character. It's, it's like the process by which you move or you act or react to circumstances. That's your character. What you do when everybody's watching, what you do when no one's watching. I've heard it said about character and integrity. When you have it, nothing else matters. When you don't have it, nothing else matters. Character, good, strong character, is not created in a day. You don't just wake up one day and have good character. It's, it's taken moment by moment, choice by choice, little by little. It's formed in a human. It's formed... It's fashioned and it's molded. You know, your character can be corrupted. Any amens in the house? Your character can be corrupted. Good company, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, can be corrupted by the wrong friends. Bad company corrupts good character. You can have your character, the moral inside of you, you can have it corrupted by simply involving yourself with the wrong people. It's true, it happens. But good character, listen, Proverbs chapter number 11, 
Verse 3, the integrity of the upright, it guides them. Because good character can lead you through a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances, a lot of things that need to be decided. We might not have a choice in all of the situations life throws at us or the seasons that we must endure, but we do have a choice, ladies and gentlemen, in how we react to them. We have that choice. That, li- that power lies within us. And in the face of disappointment and frustration, in the face of unmet expectations, we can still choose our response. And that is why character matters. Now, I believe this. It's character in Scripture that kept David from killing Saul in the cave when he had the chance to do it. There was a moment that it crossed David's mind. I can move forward with this and see things happen. But I believe inside of the heart of David was an internal working that said, I cannot cross that boundary. That's character. It's character that pushed Ruth to stay faithful to Naomi, even through all the difficulties that life threw at him. She made a choice based on her internal character to say, I will not do this and I must do this because a promise that I made. And ladies and gentlemen, that's called character. It's the character that makes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they drew the line in the sand and said, I will not eat that meat that the king offers to idols. I will not go there. I will not do that. Nor will I bow to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar you'd made I know there were other qualities at play, but deep inside of the heart of that person, in the heart of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is a thing called character that would not allow them to cross a boundary and do something that was against their character. They wouldn't go to that depth because there was a moral compass on the inside of them that told them, turn away, don't do that, don't go there, don't cross that line. It was character on the inside of them. It's character that's displayed when Daniel ignores the decree and he returns to his place and time of prayer. It's character that helped Nehemiah distinguish between the diligence of the wall and the distraction of Sanballat. Now, I've read to you or mentioned to you for the last few moments Bible examples of people that decided, I will not compromise my character to do something that crosses some type of line or boundary. And there was a, here's the thing about character. Before you make that decision, you have already made that decision. Here's the thing about character. You don't just form it overnight, but you do little by little that helps you ultimately make that big decision that you have to make. The reality is you've already made that decision months ago by the decisions that you made along the way that developed or inhibited your personal character. All of us, every one of us, have to work on our character. How many of you have had in 2021 some good old-fashioned character working going on? Good, a few honest people raising their hands. People just make you want to work on your character. People just make you want to repent. 
have to. We've all got to work on it. We've all got to surrender ourselves. We've all got to yield ourselves and let our character be grown. Now, I believe there's a prayer in Scripture. I believe there's a verse in Scripture to use as a prayer to develop your personal character. 2 Peter chapter number 1. If you have a Bible, this is a good one to go look up. 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 2 through 4. It says this, the writing of Peter, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According, now watch, here it comes. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. See, his power has the ability to give you the things needed for, watch, all of life and godliness. Because listen, there's sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's just life. And I'm not, I, I'm as spiritual, I hope I am, as spiritual as the next person, but there's sometimes when your tire blows and you're driving your kids to school, personal experience, it's just life. I don't know who did it other than me driving through the pothole. That's who did it. And sometimes it's life that happens. And he has given us his power to all of life and godliness. Now watch, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Because you need both. You need his glory and you need that internal virtue that he gives. You need both of them whereby we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of divine nature. Now listen, you and I both know I have a human nature, and then there is a divine nature at play. And I've got to do my best to surrender my human nature so that I can walk in divine nature. So you ought to make it a prayer to pray, God, I come and I bring my nature and I set it up on the altar. This is the way I would react to the situation. So I set it up on the altar. This is the way I would respond or I feel like doing. So I set it up on the altar. And Lord, what I want to know is how do you want me to act and respond in this? Because I don't want to walk in my nature. I want to walk in the nature and the character of God who is divine and holy and good. And I've got to lose my nature in order to gain his divine nature. And I want to walk in his nature, the divine nature, that helps me escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. I need help. I can't do this on my own. I can't live in 2022 by myself. I am not good when left alone. But if I can surrender my nature and I can walk in his nature, then I can overcome the world's lust and the attacks and the things thereof that want to corrupt my soul. But I've got to learn to surrender my nature, my character. I want to work on my character. My character has always got to be worked on. Always. How many of you have ever fell back before into something you shouldn't have? Let it be a reminder. 
that you need to work on the character and the drive and the, having his divine nature in us. All of us have to work on it. Now, I could spend the rest of this sermon, the rest of this, we could spend the rest of the time talking about developing personal character. We could go down that route and we could talk about those type of things that would develop it. But I want to take a transition in a moment. Uh, I want to take a transition now. And for a moment, I want to talk to you not about our character because we all know we fall short. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Every last one of us knows there's some things out there we've got to work on. But let's talk for a moment not about our character, but about the character of God. You see, God's character, it was not ever formed. It didn't take circumstances to create his character. It didn't take other things to fall into place, and so his character would just come through experience or time or whatever. His character was not formed or fashioned or made. He is who he is. And he has always been who he is. And there is nothing that can change the character of God. Because as he was, so is he now, and so will he be in the future. And his character is forever. Listen, God, you ready? God is just, and he is jealous. God is judgment, but he is kind. He is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger, and he is abounding in love. In fact, 1 John 4 says, God is love. It's who he is. He's faithful. He's self-sufficient. He's wise. He's present. He is glorious like we sang about, and he is holy. Now, if you ever want a challenge in your life, if you ever want a challenge, let me, let, me, let me tell you about one that I had recently. They asked me, and I was very gracious to oblige. They said, we need you, would you, be, would you be willing to come in to Kids Life and to teach our boys, Kids Life, six years old to 11 years old, on the topic of holiness? Now, if you want a challenge, and you like herding kittens, and I love our kids, I had two in there, but if you like that kind of challenge, let me sign you up. But I walked in there on that day and I said, somebody tell me what holiness is. What does it mean to be holy? They gave me different answers and they were good answers. I thought they did tremendous. These boys sitting on the front row over here, they did awesome. It's a great group of boys. They did awesome. And one of them said, or it got brought up sometime, holiness. Does that mean whole? And I thought, that is such a great answer. Because I'm broken, I need repair, I need fix, I have things that are wrong with me. I'm not completely whole. By the help and grace of God, he's putting me back together. But here's the thing we know about God. He is holy. He is all and all. He's holy, and there's no part of him that's broken. And there's no part of him that has to be put back together. He's not missing any piece. He's holy. That is who he is. They're going to put a slide up on the screen. This is God. Here he is. He's infinite, which means he's limitless or endless in space and extent and size. It's impossible to measure or calculate something that's infinite. And you want the reality of the situation? It's this. Nothing else in this world is infinite. 
but him. There is no other thing infinite but God. He is immutable, meaning that he will never change. I'll get excited. I know people have changed. I know times have changed. It's a lot different than how I grew up. But I know this. He has never changed ever. He's not changed yesterday. He's not changed today. And he won't change tomorrow. He can't change. He is the same. He's never changed. He is omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere. You know what? He's right here in this room. But he's also gathering with the people that are gathering in Africa. Or he's also gathering with the people that are, that are over in China. Or he's gathering in that small hidden church in China where people are. Or the country of Haiti that's under siege. He's there. He's here. He's everywhere. And that's his nature. That is who he is. He's omnipotent, meaning he has all power. He is able to do anything. You know, this is hard for us to get our mind wrapped around because there's some things we can't do. But he can. There is nothing outside of his power. Nothing outside of his ability. He's omniscient. He knows all. He knows everything. That is the character, the nature. That is who God is. And he can't change from it. And he's the same right now. And he's going to be the same tomorrow. And his character is something that we can trust in. His character is something you can give your life to. His character is something you can give your time to. It's something you can devote yourself to because the character of God will not change. And he's still here and he's still holy and he still loves you and he still has mercy and he's still present right now because that's his character. And while my character needs help, his character doesn't need any help. It's true. I read to you a psalm as, as we begin. I read to you a psalm that I think is so powerful. It's us. This is our response to him. This is what I would describe as the what that we bring to God. The Bible says, Psalm 100, make a joyful noise. Unto the Lord, all ye lands. Now, aren't you glad? I know I am. That does not say, make a pretty noise. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because I could let out a noise right now. And it sure wouldn't be beautiful. But I tell you what I can let out is I can let out a joyful noise. Let me tell you something, joy is greater than happiness. I hope you're happy, but deeper than that, I hope you have a joy that's everlasting. I hope God gives you something in your spirit that supersedes circumstances, and there's a joy inside of you, and it rises up out of you, and it makes a noise unto God and says, Lord, I'm so thankful for you. I bless your name, and I bring you a joyful noise. All ye lands... Every nation, tribe, and tongue has access to this. Every nation, tribe, and tongue has access to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, to lift up his name, make a joyful noise, O Lord, all ye lands. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Hey, you know what? I, I think pastor says this quite a bit, but we'll throw it in here right, right now. It's appropriate. It's okay to tell your face to smile. I mean, look what we get to do. Look what we get to be a part of. Look what we have. Look at the opportunity that lies in front of you. I'm not promising you that everything in life is easy or that it's all going to go well, but I still get to serve the Lord with gladness. You know, I, 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 want, to, I want to be somebody. I, I was driving down the road last night. It is so good to praise God sometimes. You don't have to just praise God. And I, this was in my notes for a little bit. You don't have to just praise God when, when, they, when they're singing and up here and they're worshiping and it's a Sunday or it's a Wednesday. That doesn't have to be the only time you praise God. In fact, you ought to make it a daily habit to praise him at some point in your day, to set everything down and say, Lord, I just praise you today. Lord, I just thank you today. You've been good to me. You've been better to me than I've been to myself, and I thank you. I praise you for covering my family. I praise you for keeping me, and I praise you for what you've got for me. I praise you. It ought to be, it ought to be just on you. Last night I was driving down the road coming back from the camp out, and I was having the world's greatest drum solo you'd ever seen. I was, too. I was getting after it. It's been a long time since I played those things, but I was getting after it. And the car next to me thought I was on drugs. But all I wanted was for them to just clap because it was good. Listen, they ought to catch you this week giving God praise somewhere. They ought to hear it out of your mouth. And who cares if they think you're crazy? We get to serve the Lord. We get to serve the Lord with gladness. We get to make a joyful noise unto the Lord to come before his presence with singing. We get to lift up the great name of Jesus. There are places they can't lift their voice, but we get to lift our voice unto the King of kings and Lord of lords. We get to give him praise. Come before his presence with singing. Know that ye that the Lord, he is God. And listen, it's he that made us and not we ourselves. Do not believe the lie of culture that says you made you and you're responsible for everything. Listen, you didn't make you. You didn't get you here. It's only the grace of God that I'm up here right now. It's only the goodness of God that I get to stand up here right now and get to do this. If I didn't have him, I wouldn't have anything. And it is not me. Who do you think gave you the ability to work hard? Who do you think gave you the intellect to do the job you got? Who do you think gave you the power and the resources and the connections to get you at the place and the time that you're at? Who do you think lined all that stuff? It is not we that made us, but it is he that made us. And not we ourselves. It's him. And he deserves our praise. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Here's what I love about that verse. You ready? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, listen, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, and that's my favorite holiday. Anybody else? I'm not getting into the Christmas debate. We're not going there. I want you to keep listening to me preach. 
and not get offended or check out. I'm not going there. You can play it whenever you want, that Christmas music. Do whatever you want. I love Thanksgiving because it gives us, all of us, a great reminder to just open our mouth and thank God for what he's done for us. We get to be thankful all over again. We get to be thankful. And the Bible says to enter into his gates, you ready? With thanksgiving, which means you have to come with it from out there into here which means you got to have thankfulness out there when you're coming in here. It doesn't just say have thanksgiving here, but it says come in with it. So I'm going to look around at all of my surroundings and the life that God has given me, the kids that I have, the wife I have, the job I have, and I'm just going to be thankful. I'm just going to be thankful. I'm going to walk in with thanksgiving. It's going to be a part of my character and a part of my virtue. I'm going to be thankful for what he's done. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's what we do. That is the what of Psalm 100, 1 through 4. That's the what. That's our responsibility at play in this. We come before his presence with singing and we make a joyful noise and we're thankful unto him. That's the what. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you the why that we do all of Psalm, 1, Psalm 100, 1 through 4. And it's found in verse number 5. Number 1, because the Lord is good. Like this is the really good part of the sermon. A pun intended. This is the good part. He is a good God. He is good to me. So yes, I serve him with gladness because he's been good to me. Yes, I enter with thanksgiving because he's been good to me. And I'm not saying everything's been good, but I do know one thing that is good and will never change from being good. For the Lord is good. And I have not always been good, ladies and gentlemen, but he always has been good. I have not always had it together, but he has always been good. I've failed many times, but he is still good. He is good to me. Come on, I wish we'd take a moment and just thank him for his goodness. You've been so good to us, God. He's good. I haven't served the Lord as long as some of you have. I haven't experienced the ups and the downs. Sister Harden's testimony was such a blessing to hear a life given to God and, and, and the goodness of God, how it, how it has been a thread throughout her life. But let me show you something in Scripture in the book of Exodus that tells us about this. Exodus chapter number 33, beginning at verse number 18. And here is where Moses is asking, in the middle of where the children of Israel have crossed the Red Sea, and they're on, their, they're on their journey to the promised land. Here is what Moses asked in the middle of the crisis. And he said, I beseech thee, verse 18, show me your glory. I, what I want to see, God, is I want to see your glory at work. I know I, I don't want to leave here without your presence. I, I know what you've done. I've seen your power and your hand at work. Show me your glory. 
And he said, watch, I will make my goodness pass before you and will be gracious uh, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and show mercy on whom I will show. And he said, thou cannot see my face for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon the rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I'll put thee in the cleft of the rock and cover thee with thy hand while I pass by. Moses knew this. If I'm going to see his glory, that means I'm going to see his goodness. Because when you ask to see the glory of God, when you want to see the totality of the matter, when you want to see him for who he really is, when you get to that place, he doesn't show you his power or other things. He shows you his goodness. Because at the very heart of it all, at the very heart of the whole issue, is that God is good. Because that's who he is. And he shows it to us time and time and time again. He is good. When we truly see him deep down inside, deeply when we know him, when our eyes of understanding are open, we know. And it's so simple. God is good. He's just good. Listen, let me tell the person who's struggling right now in your marriage and you don't know how the season unfolds. Listen to the words that come out of my mouth. God is still good. Listen to the person that's struggling with sickness in your body and you don't know why the pain won't leave. Would you listen to me for a second? He is still good. You may not feel good, but he is still good. His goodness has not failed. It's not changed. It's not moved around. He is still good. Good for the Lord is good. His goodness has not failed. His goodness is still here. That's why Romans would say this, Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for what? For the good to them that love God who are called according to his purpose. Why does he work things out for good? It's because that's who he is. Because he's not changing his nature on your circumstance. His nature is still the same. And it will be good because he is good. He's still working. For the Lord is good. And his mercy is everlasting. He's good. And his mercy is everlasting. You wanna know what's so powerful about the word everlasting? It's this, it's a word that speaks to all senses of time. So everlasting means what was before, what's happening now, and what will happen in the future. Which means, you ready? There is nothing his mercy can't cover. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy covers what happened before, what happened now, and what happened later. You know, that's why the Bible says in the Old Testament, in the book, in the book of Deuteronomy, or in, it, it, it talks about how his mercy is new every morning in Lamentations. His mercy is new some mornings, 
Only on the mornings you've been really good. And then his mercy is new. No, the Bible says his mercy is new every morning. In fact, let me read to you the verses that call by this because it talks about all the despair and the problems in Jerusalem and how the city has been conquered and his personal anguish and his personal lament. And in verse 21 of Lamentations 3, it says, This I recall to mind, and I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. For they are new. Every single morning. You will not wake up tomorrow with old mercies. You will not wake up tomorrow with used mercies. But you will wake up tomorrow with new mercies that can be over your life. Let me speak to somebody here that's coming back to God. His mercy doesn't fail and his compassion's not short. But his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. Let me show you this in the Bible also as a, as a sign of, of the law, which is so powerful. Deuteronomy chapter number 17. The Bible talks about how in the law, you would have things that if you did this, there was a consequence or there was a blessing attached to it. The law would give you requirements, things that you had to live by for the children of Israel, things that you had to obey. And the law would line up these things. And one of those, you would be punished. You had a punishment that was coming if there were certain actions that you performed. But there was a principle, however, embedded in Scripture that's so powerful to us even today, and it shows us the nature of God. And here it is in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse number 6. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he be worthy of death be but to death. So if you had two or three people that would come to you or come and say, this person is guilty of this. If you had the two or three witnesses, then you would be put to death because this was the law and this was what required and you had these people. But watch the next phrase. But at the mouth of one witness shall he not be put to death. See, it took two or three to sentence somebody to death. But it only took one to pull them from that consequence, to save them from that, the death that they probably might have deserved, maybe. But if it took a witness, if it took somebody that would come in and speak on their behalf, then they'd be saved. And I believe this, this small verse hidden in the law gives us an, an inclination about the nature of God and how he works and what he wants his people to be like and how, how he works on people because it took more witnesses for death than it did for life because he's showing you mercy is more accessible than judgment. I'm going to say it again. He wanted to make sure you knew Mercy is more accessible than judgment. So you hear me, the next time you stumble and fall and you got a voice over your ear saying, you'll never succeed, you keep falling down, you'll never make it, 
you have one voice on one side, but you listen to me for a second. The mercy of God is louder. It's easier and it's more accessible to your spirit. Would you just pick yourself back up and say, I trust in the mercy of God. I trust in the goodness of God. His mercy is more accessible than, his good, than, his, than judgment is. In fact, you want to go to that verse? Here, I need you two gentlemen help me a second. Could you put Psalm 23 and 6 up on the screen? Come up here, join me. You look good in the lights, I promise. In fact, the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And let's not forget what the psalmist wrote here where it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now you two are going to be goodness and mercy. You look good and you look merciful. I'll lead on. Every day of my life. Good days. They're right behind me. Bad days where nothing goes right. There they are. They hadn't left. On days where, where financially I don't know how I'm going to make it, look behind you. Goodness, mercy, still following, still walking every day of my life. Listen, for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. He can't change based on what changes around you. His goodness and his mercy, they're still behind you. They're still there. Would you just turn around for a second, stop, and look around you for a moment. The goodness of God and the mercy of God is still there. Can I preach to somebody in whatever season you're in, his goodness and his mercy are right there beside you every step of the way. Would you just stop for a moment and recall in your mind and therefore have hope that his sure mercies and his sure goodnesses are here today for you. Would you lift your hands in the sanctuary? He is good and his mercy is everlasting. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, come on, let's give God thanks. That's the character of God. He does not change. He cannot change. He is good. And his mercy is everlasting. And his truth, it endures to all generations. See, Brother Shane and I were talking before service, and I thought what he said was so powerful, and he didn't know what I was preaching. He was just being led by the Holy Ghost. And he said this, he said, you know, when God says something, he doesn't say it flippantly. When God establishes a truth, he doesn't just say it so that something's being said. No, he means what he says. And his truths endure to all generations. When we came through the dark ages of Christianity and there was the crusades that were sweeping across parts of the world, his truth was still enduring. When we got to the Renaissance age and we were trying to, the people in, in Christianity were trying to figure some things out and, and all of certain levels of things were happening, you hear me, his truth was still enduring. When we get to the, the civil wars and the parts that happen in America and to find, finding new territories, leading into the civil wars and all of the ups and downs and the chaos through which we had to go through, his truth was still 
enduring. And then you come to the technological age and you come through all the generations of society that I've ever lived and how we've got up to right now, his truth has still endured. And then when they come and they tell you that this is what gender is and this is how life should be and this is how things will, will always happen or this are new truths or this is, this is my truth, you listen to me. His truth will endure all generations. There will not be a generation that will walk on this earth and dismantle or take away his truth. His truth will endure to every generation. And you know what that means? That means all of us have access to the truth of God. Because his truth is still here. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. It'll never shift or move around. His truth will endure to all generations. He is good. And his mercy is everlasting. And his truth will endure to all generations. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we're at the end of this message. But let me go back and read to you. In light of his goodness and his mercy and his truth, I want you to respond the way you feel is appropriate as I read this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Hear me this morning. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. And it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So I've got to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. That's who he is. That's his character. That's his nature. And he's here today. I don't know about you, but I need the goodness of God. Would you stand with me? I don't know about you, but I need the mercy of God. I don't know about you with all the deception and lies. I need a truth that will last. Come on, lift your hands in the sanctuary. Would you join me in just giving God some thanks? He's good. Yes, you're so good. I look back over my life and I know you've been good to me. I take a moment and I know the surely goodness and mercy are following me right now. Come on, you haven't sinned too much for the mercy of God. His mercy is everlasting. Come on, and there's a truth you can buy today. There's a truth you can grab a hold of today that will endure through all of culture and society. I want to open these altars for somebody, anybody, that wants to experience the character of God. 
anyone hungry to know He's good and His mercy endures. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to every generation. Would you join me up front and can we just take a moment here on a Sunday and give God the praise He deserves. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It's He that's made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name for the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. Come on, let's worship the Lord together.